The last one to know. We were the last one to show. We were the last one they thought they'd see there. And I saw the surprise, that fear in their eyes. They when we took that glass of champagne, Pat, Pat took that glass of champagne, I promise you. You're locked in the press box. So prior to the Super Bowl, I hate when they do this, but prior to the Super Bowl, we got reports. Um, we got one about the Raiders. We got one about the Bears, where it's like, all right, nobody's talking about that because the Super Bowl's kicking off in three hours. But Ian Rappaport reported that the Chicago Bears want a, quote, historic haul for the number one overall pick. Chicago would need a historic haul of draft picks and overall compensation to move off the first pick of the 2024 NFL draft, sources say. In the words of one source, it would have to be, quote, crazy. All right, so we know what they're doing. Who's the source of that info? Matt Eberflus. Someone with the Bears telling him. Why would someone with the Bears tell Ian Rappaport we need a crazy haul to move off of number one? Because maybe they're willing to give it up and move on from Caleb Williams. That's what my thought was. Maybe they're willing to give it up. That's exactly what my thought was, that the Bears want to – drum up as much value as they can in the number one pick and say, yeah, we're locked in. We're taking Williams unless something crazy comes along. You offer us the biggest trade package in the history of the NFL. That was my thought because, I mean, technically the source could be from another GM. Technically it could be like Tom Telesco was calling to see. He's already calling and seeing what they want. Right. And he was like, oh, wow, it's crazy what they want. It's possible, but my thought was this is from the Bears. This is somebody with the Bears. When Ian Rappaport, Adam Schefter reports something, it's almost always going to be owner, GM, head coach. Agent. Like, yeah, it's going to be from the actual people involved. So my thought was this is owner, GM, head coach of the Bears saying, yeah, we need a crazy haul to do this, which in my mind is well, why would you tell Ian Rappaport that? If you were planning to take Caleb Williams, I think you'd just tell Rappaport yeah. that we're going to take Caleb Williams. Yeah. But if you actually might want to trade it, you say, ah, well, we need a lot. Yep. But we're not going to do it. It's not out of the question. Yeah, we're not going to do it unless something crazy comes along. Right. That was my thought. So, what's crazy? Ugh. More than three number ones? I think that, I, that, that was my thought. More than three number ones? That's when you start getting into, oh, wow. That yeah. is quite a lot. And like from the Raiders' perspective, we would be talking about you'd be giving up the number 13 pick this year. Right. You're 25 first. You're 26 first. And then something else, right? Would you give up a fourth first? Would it be two seconds or something like that? Would it be Max Crosby or something like that? Right. That's when it starts to get, oh, wow. That is That's crazy. quite a lot. Because I know you've said you would do it for like three first round picks. For Caleb Williams, yeah. yes. Like you would yes. to go to number one, yes. you would have no hesitation going yes. three for Would you do four? For Caleb Williams? You would? That's I, okay. a lot. All right. It's I mean, a lot. No, I mean, but it, you know what? It's, it's, it's for Caleb Williams, if he's, and it's a, you know, it's, I don't know if it's a big if, but you're taking right. the chance that he's as good as everyone says he's going to be, which is generational. Yeah. Is four really crazy? I mean, to not be in the first round for the next three years, essentially. Yeah, but what if he's that good? Yeah. Yeah, but you're still going to need to repair other areas. The, the real, if if the Raiders did that, or any team, if it's the Broncos or or whoever, any team that did that, 
obviously Caleb Williams being good is important. Yes, you need he him has to, to be, be good. great. If, if he's bad, all right, never it's a bad good. Move, yeah. But the real key is after you do that, the next three drafts or the next four, including this current one, you need to hit on some like fourth and fifth round right. picks. And we right. generally you need to find a Max Crosby right. in the fourth round. Right. We generally generally talk about that when we get teams in the Super Bowl and we're like, oh wow, look, the Chiefs had you know nine defensive right. starters that were drafted after round three or whatever the hell it was. And like when the Rams did it, it was like the Rams keep finding guys. In the fifth, the yes. Rams haven't drafted in the first right. round for a decade. Right, but they, they keep, keep finding guys, guys they the in Super the fifth Bowl. round. That's something you're going to have to do as a GM. So you make the trade. You need Caleb Williams to be good, and then you need you to, need hit, to on hit on right. some of these late round picks. Um, basically, yeah. every year you need to hit on at least one every year, and yeah. probably to get a starter or two starters. Right, because right. that's you know not having a first round pick can be uh, really difficult for four straight seasons. But I don't think you're wrong. I don't. I don't think you're wrong at all. I think that would be perfectly justified to say let's go get number one and give up four first right. round picks and hope. Yeah, obviously, you're hoping, but hope that Caleb Williams actually is that great superstar material. Right. Do you think the quote unquote historic haul they're looking for would change depending on who is asking? Like if the Raider, if the uh, Commanders at two wanted to move up to one. Yeah. Do you think yes. instead of three first rounds and a star the, player it could just be the the number two and two more first rounds i don't even think it'd it. be that much to just move one, one spot i don't even one think it'd first be that round? much yeah i mean and honestly that might even be an overpay by the commanders well but, it guarantees your guy yeah, plus he's he, got a history with kingsbury they're all morons nobody nobody's guy is actually good they don't know who's actually going to be good but yeah if you're the bear if i'm the bear that's probably what i would want if i was the bears my ideal situation would be to trade down to two or three. Because you still get one of the three. Right, because I still get one of the quarterbacks, right. and hopefully one of these teams overpay me a lot. Right. If I if the commanders were like, we're going to give you next year's first to move up to one, and I still get two, yeah, please. Please do. Because there's – listen, I know you got scouts, you got people that grade these players, and they think they know what they're doing – we have seen over and over and over and over. NFL teams do not know what they're doing when well, they draft players. look what happened this year with number right. one. They do not know what they're doing. So I would be more than happy to say, all right, yes, I might think Caleb Williams is better than Drake May or Jaden Daniels, but we clearly don't know that. So I'm more than happy to let you overpay to say, I want my guy. And I say, all right, I'll take the leftover. Right. And a lot of times the leftover can be better yeah. than who everybody thinks is number one. So I'd be more than happy to do that. Um, especially if it was an extra first thrown in there, be like, hell yeah, let's go. Uh, but yes, it would change because if you're the, the commander should have the same thought process is like, all right, right, we might think Caleb Williams is better than Drake Mayer, Jane Daniels, but we can't be that confident that we're, that we're right about it, right. that it's going to work out. It's going to be significantly better for us. Could we see, even if the bears get better, could we see them pick in the top three to five every year just because of trades that they make? Because I if mean, they look traded at their, out of this. I mean, yeah, look at what I guess they got. It depends on who they trade. Like this number one pick is Carolina's from right. last year's historic haul that they got. I mean, yeah, if they traded out of one and got a future first from Denver, Vegas, or Atlanta, the three teams that are kind of like, oh, maybe they could offer this historic haul. Yeah, there's a chance one of those three teams is one of the five worst yep. teams in the league next year. I, spe I mean, especially if they trade up, get Caleb Williams, and then Caleb Williams sucks. Yeah. If that guy's bad, then they would be picking top five. Because imagine if the Raiders 
traded three first or four first for Caleb Williams, and then Caleb Williams sucked. Raiders' pick is going to be top five every single year. Right. Like it's not going to be good. So yeah, the Bears would end up with a high pick if Williams wasn't any good. Is Max Crosby untradeable? I think by the higher ups he is. Like if if it I came down to if if the Bears said we are willing to give up number one. We've agreed to all the picks that are going to be in the deal, but we need Max Crosby. To get to the crazy level. Like, if the Bear, if that's what the Bears told the Raiders, everything's good, you just have to include Max Crosby and you get number one. Does it happen? They'd no. really have to convince Davis. Like, Mark Davis has to yes. say yes. Yeah. On oh, that. for Max Crosby, he'd have to sign off on that. And I don't think he does. I don't think he does either. Okay. I don't think Crosby signs off on it. <laughs> He's going to go to Mark Davis and be like, look, I'm not going. You got to cut me. I'm not going. He's going to do another podcast. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not reporting to camp with the Bears. Yeah, exactly. If they trade me, I'm not showing up. Like, that's that would be the most interesting thing of the offseason is if the Raiders had to make that decision. Is it's To like, get to one. It's like, hey, the Bears have agreed they'll do it for two first, two seconds, and, and Max, Max Crosby. Crosby. Are you willing to do that, Raiders? And would the Raiders say – Yep, let's do it. Let's go get a quarterback, and we'll figure out how to replace the best player on the team, the fan right. favorite on the team, and all of that. Or would they say, "No, we can't do that. We got to the face of the Crosby. organization. Yeah, we got to stick with Max Crosby, even if it means Aiden O'Connell's our quarterback again for another season." So that's what I don't think Davis allows him to do it, even though Davis, we said yesterday, says that he stays out of this stuff. Yeah, that he hires these guys, but you'd have to have his okay to trade. I think you'd have to have his okay to trade Devontae Adams. Man, do you know how much I would love to see Mark Davis read a tweet from Adam Schefter saying they've traded Max Crosby? Do you know how badly I'd want to see Mark Davis's reaction to that? And he's just immediately on the phone with Telesco saying, what happened? He'd have to read it like six times. He'd be like, is this Adam Schefter? Or is this, is this <laughs> is a this darn fake, Schefter? Yeah, the, the fake Adam Schefter. Yeah, he'd be like, is this real? Yeah, that would be tremendous. Uh, tremendous entertainment if we could witness that. But I think you're right. They would go up to Mark Davis. I think there would be – Yeah, you'd have to go up to him for Max Crosby. Would there be a physical fight between Antonio Pierce and Tom Telesco if Telesco was like, I'm going to trade Max Crosby? It'd be Probably. like the uh, <laughs> the Pistons and the Suns last night. Somebody would get hit in the Someone lip Someone in area. the parking lot would get hit in the lip area. Not the face, <laughs> the, pit, the lip area. Immediately, Antonio Pierce would say, Tom Telesco's not a Raider. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah be the immediate reaction from it so that'd be uh that'd because be he'd be he'd be trading the ultimate radar because here's as far as like trading for number one do the do the falcons or broncos have a player as valuable as max crosby that they could trade no no i'm not thinking they do either no no not a, not even close yeah like the falcons have some good skill possession guys but you're not no, Bijan Robinson's no. not doing it. Drake London's not doing it. Pitts isn't doing it. No. Is uh Patrick Sertan the corner in Denver? No. He's really good. He's good, but it's like different position. Yeah. Crosby plays a more important position. Yeah. So the the Raiders conceivably have something that no other team could actually get give to the Bears. Uh of teams that want to trade up. Right. Yeah. Like yes. yeah, obviously the right. Chiefs aren't gonna trade up and give up hey here's chris jones well right. he's a free agent he's a free agent but anyway. right well, he said yesterday he's not leaving so. yeah well we'll see 
We'll Money talks. His agent. His agent. When you have a, po- a few pops at the uh, yeah. at the parade. His agent also tweeted, "Somebody tell the bartender to cut them off." Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we'll see about Chris. Well, that might have been because around. of Travis Kelsey singing. Yeah. So, but the the Raiders do conceivably have something that would entice the Bears that nobody else can truly offer. Everybody can offer all the picks Anybody, they yeah. want and all that. But as far as players go, if the Bears are like. We love Matt. We would love to have Crosby. They could. They could uh, do something that the Falcons. I don't think. I think he's untradeable. He probably is at the end of the day, even though he probably shouldn't be at the end of the day. Not for that quarterback. Yeah, like if you can get the quarterback, that's the. I mean, that's that's what's holding teams back. They don't have the quarterback. So we'll see. Coming up next, it's Bischoff's briefs. It's Bischoff's Briefs, brought to you by Paul Law. It's not about the injury, it's about the recovery. Bischoff's Briefs. I'm asking you if you know the difference between right and wrong. I discovered at a very early age that if I talk long enough, I could make anything right or wrong. Bischoff's Briefs. So either I'm God or truth is relative. Bischoff's Briefs. And in either case, booyah. Bischoff's Briefs. Earlier in the week, asked the fun question, who wins the next playoff game in Allegiant Stadium, the Chiefs or the Raiders? And it's fun because for the Chiefs to win a playoff game in Allegiant Stadium, it either has to be the Super Bowl in four, five, six, seven years from now, whenever they come back, or the Raiders have to be able to host a playoff game and play the Chiefs. For the Raiders to do it, they got to host a playoff game. And the question I asked and now that I've looked up to answer here, is during Tom Brady's run in New England, how often did the other three teams in that division have home playoff games? So Brady was in New England from 2001 to 2019. The Jets had one play, one home playoff With game. With Sanchez? No. No? One home play. The Sanchez stuff was all as a wild card. Pennington? One home playoff game in 2002, which was Brady's <sighs> second season. The Patriots missed the playoffs in Brady's second season after winning the Super Bowl. Um... The Dolphins had two home playoff games when Brady was in the division. One was 2008. They won the division. That was the Matt Castle year when Brady got hurt. So it took Brady getting hurt. The other was in 2001 as a wildcard team. Um, There was a different format. There were only three divisions at the time, and six teams got in. So four and five seeds were both wildcards, and the four hosted the five. So the Dolphins hosted one home game as a wildcard. That can't happen now. Right. Because there's a new format. So effectively, if we use what the current format is, two times, and the Bills did not host a single playoff game in Brady's career in New England. So effectively, in 19 years, based on the current format, twice did another team in that division host a playoff game. Brady's second year and the year Brady missed is effectively the entire season and Matt Castle played. And that was it. Overall, so if we include all playoff games for those three teams in Brady's time, and again, Brady, the quarterback in New England from 2001 to 2019, the Bills went 0-2 in the postseason. The Dolphins went 0-3. The Jets went 6-6, largely to those uh, two Mark Sanchez AFC Championship runs. But you had two teams in that division not win a single playoff game. From 2001 to 2019, while Tom Brady was there, the Jets had a little bit more success going 6-6 six and six in the postseason. Will 
Patrick Mahomes do the same thing to the AFC West? Well, he's six years in, right? The re- Since he's been in. He's six years in. The rest of the AFC West, Raiders, Broncos, Chargers, no home playoff games. Right. And in those six years, uh, the Broncos have not made the playoffs. Raiders once. Raiders are 0-1. Chargers are 1-2. So six years in, the rest of the division. Have had four playoff games. Four total playoff games. And none at home. None at home. I don't know at this point why you doubt Patrick Mahomes doing anything. It's it's hard. That's a lot of years left, right? It's like we say the seven to get to the seven, and he's only at three. I say only in quotations. Yeah. But that's a long time. I How many more years is that? Is he even going to play that long? Yeah, I mean, so Brady was in New England for 19 seasons. It's already yeah. been six. So does he play 13 more? He'd be 41. Does he play 13 more? Um, he's. I, I think my general assumption is that it's 10, right? He'd be 38, and then, you know, how how well does he age? Brady obviously aged better, right. better than anybody. Better than it's anybody. all that water. Right, apparently. Um, but, you know, how well does Mahomes age? I think it's fair to assume that we've got at least another decade of Mahomes being awesome. Now, right. when he's 37, 38, can, Who knows in the regression? Is he slowed down enough, right. or is it not as good as anymore? And maybe you can catch him. But I'm my sort of assumption is that we've got a decade here. Well, if we only have a decade, awesome. then he's not going to reach the number of Brady. I mean, he could win every single Super Bowl. <laughs> no, I'm talking about. <laughs> well, I'm talking about that many years where the others in the division right. don't host a right. playoff. Game. If he plays another decade, he'd be up to 16, right, instead of 19. Um, but so far, well, here's the thing: nobody's hosted a playoff game in the AFC West. Brady, six years in, he had allowed one team to already host a playoff game. Actually, two teams, I think. No, that other one came in his seventh year. So, seven years in, two other teams had hosted a playoff, playoff game. Games. So far, it's zero for Mahomes in his first six. So, he's actually slightly ahead of yeah. Brady in that regard. So, even if it's only eight years or whatever, that's still a very long time if you're the Chargers, the Broncos, and the Raiders to be dealing with Patrick Mahomes, superstar, maybe going on this crazy run where nobody else gets to win anything type situation. So under that impression that Mahomes is here, the Chiefs are awesome for eight years, maybe longer. Two more, you mean? What? Eight from now? Yeah. Okay. Eight more years. like eight, okay. At least eight more years of Mahomes being awesome from okay. right now. If you're the Chargers, the Broncos, and the Raiders, you obviously can't just give up. What the hell are you doing? What's your plan for the near future and the next five years and the next eight to ten years? I think you really hope Jim Harbaugh is as good as we think he is. Well, that's, that works for the Chargers. doesn't work for the Raiders or Broncos. No, I'm not talking about those. <laughs> I'm talking about the Chargers. You're trying to get someone on the inside to put stuff in his food so that he'll fail drug tests. <laughs> Teddy's trying to get him kicked out of the league. <laughs> no, just you know, like a like a little six gamer, you know. Six. But Something. if he does it more than once, you get him kicked out of the league eventually. Uh, six games a year, <laughs> and then you know, six games. Yes, yeah, the second time it happened, third time it happens, they're kicking him out. All right, so just do I it mean, twice. I think if you're asking who could get a home playoff game, I just think with Harbaugh that the answer is the Chargers. Yeah. If I'm so the Chargers conceivably have the quarterback, right? potentially Herbert's the guy and they should do unless Herbert just falls off a cliff the Chargers just need to just we've got Herbert and we're trying for the next five to ten years to figure this out with Herbert 
for the Broncos and Raiders, I think you have one of two options to try. Either one, you do everything in your power to find a franchise quarterback. Quarterback. To find a guy that's not just good. To find a guy that it's is great. top five level good right. in the NFL. You do everything you can, which would be trading four first which round picks to go get going Caleb crazy Williams. Right. On the trade to the right. Bears. Or, you know, maybe it's next draft or something, or maybe there's a really good quarterback that's available through a trade. Whatever it is, you do everything you can to try to get a quarterback that can be your franchise quarterback, your top five quarterback in the league. Or I think the other option if you're Denver or Vegas is trying to build a team like the 49ers where you don't necessarily ignore quarterback, but you don't draft a quarterback high. You don't spend a bunch of money at the quarterback position. You simply try to put together the best defensive line you possibly can, the best linebackers, the best. You spend your money at all of the other positions. And then if you are successful at that, then you try to answer the quarterback position and you try to win. Because if you're good at that, you could then win. You could conceivably beat Patrick Mahomes with a 15th best quarterback in the league. With right? a Brock Purdy. Right. The 49ers obviously didn't, but they went to overtime. Right. Like it wasn't that far away. And they, if they were in the same division, the 49ers would have had a better record than the Chiefs this year. They would have won the division. But that to me, you've got to try to do one of those two things. If you're going to beat the Chiefs, you either have to find the quarterback that is close to him or you have to build the team like the 49ers. The problem is both of those things are incredibly difficult to do. Yes. Both of those things are unbelievably difficult to do. And so it's unlikely that you'll do either one of them. But if I right now, if you're the Raiders or the Broncos, I think you have to sit down and decide for the next five years, are we just chasing quarterbacks until we hit on one? Or are we kind of ignoring that position I mean, and trying to make everything else awesome? I mean, is it harder to do the latter? Is it harder to build around a guy? That's a lot of guys. I mean, right. John Lynch did it. He's got he's got eight to ten all pros. Right. It's very hard to do. You've got to hit on some of those late round draft picks. You've got. I mean, hell, the Forty ers did it while also whiffing on the Trey Lance trade slash right. pick. Very very hard to do. But they did go out and trade for Christian McCaffrey. Right, like you can go say, oh, somebody else drafted a really good player. Let's go trade for him instead. But to me, that's you've got to sit down now and say, chase the quarterback or ignore the quarterback and chase everything else. Yeah, and then try to answer the quarterback that's question. Hard to do. Maybe in three years, both are hard to him. do. Yeah, incredibly hard to do. And it's probably easier to chase the quarterback because you one can guy trade up, draft a guy, and then give him three years and see how good is he. So, but that I think is where the Broncos and the Raiders are. If they're really going to actually have a shot at this, they've either got to go all in chasing quarterbacks or all in ignoring quarterbacks and everything right. else. And by the way, when I say chasing quarterbacks, I mean you are cutthroat getting rid of these guys if they're not superstars. Like if you draft Bryce Young, you do not start Bryce Young in year two. Bryce Young sucked. Bryce Young is not going to be the quarterback that beats Mahomes. So if you're trying to beat Mahomes and you take a Bryce Young and he sucks, see you later. Right. Don't care that you're the number one pick. We're trying to beat Mahomes. We're not trying to placate and make everything nice and uh, maybe he could turn into the 15th right. best guy. No, you need to be top five. And if you're Bryce Young level bad in year one, see you later. We got to go find the other guy. That's what I would do. Chase the quarterback until you find one. Or Mahomes retires and thank God Mahomes retired. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that would be my answer. Coming up next, J.R. Starkus joins the show. This has been Bischoff's Briefs, brought to you by Paul Pata Law. It's not about the injury, it's about the recovery. 
We're not that drunk. We're not that drunk. Cheeky bastards. We're not that drunk. We're not that drunk. We're not that drunk. It's never too early for him to mix up some drinks, even if it's only nine in the morning. Find out what's on tap with extreme mixologist J.R. Starkus. Follow him on Instagram at J.R. Makes Drinks. Here he is, the Director of Business Development, Southern Glazers Wine Spirits and Beer of Nevada. It's J.R. Starkus. He got his tweet today. Uh, how you feeling, J.R.? How you feeling Daddy came through you feeling, for buddy? you. Oh, my God. Oh, oh, no. No, J- go ahead. J.R., you were going to love no, this so much. He didn't so even have your microphone Danny on. Danny did not have you <laughs> potted up. We did not hear a word you said because of Danny. All he said was good. I already know. <laughs> I didn't say a thing. Yes. But, uh, you know, it doesn't surprise me. It's You know, you guys were busting my chops for not being able to make it in this morning, and it's going to take more than one week. And these kind of gaps are what really kind of, you know, they scare me away. <laughs> oh, Daddy. It's okay. Hey, I got the tweet way. out, so got got it all covered there. One step forward, two steps back, my friend. I mean, you got the tweet out, but then you don't even put me on the air so people can't hear anything I'm saying anyway. Well, on the plus side, you said you didn't say anything, so they didn't miss any of the action. <laughs> I uh, I'm a big fan of this Jr. Danny beef that we have going on. It's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, and I've heard that some people thought it was real too. I mean, yeah. what well, is real? It is real. It's very real. So you uh, watch, watch you out. could punch Danny in the lip area, not the I mouth, could? just the yeah. lip area. Yeah, just the lip. Did you hear us talking about that earlier? I did not. Um, so Isaiah Stewart, who plays for the Pistons, and apparently punched Drew Eubanks from the Suns last night before the game, like in the parking lot. I don't know. He's waiting for him to get off the team bus or something. But Sham Sharnier from The Athletic, when he wrote his story on it, said that he punched him in the lip area. And I've never heard that before. Usually you just say mouth. Right, right. I mean, how close can you get without it being something else? <laughs> you know, like lip area, you're like, oh, did a little to the right. So like the cheek? <laughs> you know, I don't know. Like, what does that mean? The chin? The nose? Yeah. The close proximity there. Yeah, close proximity. Uh, how how are you feeling after the 49ers loss? Um, you know what? I, I'll be honest. Like, I, I watched the game in solitary confinement um, with, with my wife because I did want to just watch the game. I didn't want to – I got invited to a few things, and I was – um, I, I, I declined because I didn't, I, frankly, I, I didn't want to talk to anybody. I just wanted to watch the game. And, you know, sometimes I go to those things and people want to have conversations. And I didn't want to have a conversation that day. I just wanted to have like four hours of watching commercials and the game. Um, but my wife was looking at me kind of side-eyed through the game because I was strangely quiet. And she's like, well, I'm surprised you're like losing your mind right now. And I said, ah. I said, I kind of like am just good with them being here, I guess. I don't. Um, wow! I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't really care that they lost the game. As soon as they Whoa. lost the game, I'm like, all right, game over. I asked my wife, I said, "What do you want to watch? You want to watch a movie or something?" And she's like, "What is happening right now?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Well, the game's over." Like, it just strangely felt like another game to me. I don't know, so I, I don't hate it too much. Although I did say about 50 times during the game, kind of to myself, loud enough so my wife could hear, "How is that not holding? How is that not holding? Oh, like, how is that not holding?" I did say that a lot. So we've got moral victory, J.R. Starkus, also complaining about the refs, J.R. Starkus. Yes, yes, I, I did. I mean, there's nothing you can do about it, clearly. Uh, but I did, I did watch that and go, I, I don't, how is that not holding? Like, and my wife, you know, just kind of looking at me going, and she's like, doesn't that, that looks like every play. And I'm like, 
Yep. <laughs> it sure does. Uh, but yeah, that's, I mean, I, I was str- like, people were texting and, you know, busting my chops the next day at work. And, and I was like, ah, I'm just, I'm really not that upset about it. I'm really not. I, it didn't bother me that much. Would you be more upset if the Red Sox lose the World Series? Probably, yes. You're a baseball guy. I'm a baseball guy. I mean, I, I, I watch, you know, probably, I don't want to say I watch more football. I don't watch more football, but because there's only a few, you know, not as many games, you watch it more, like, consistently, maybe. Um, but, like, I have no interest in watching a lot of, other teams play. I like watching the Niners play, but if you have a random game playing, I, I don't really pay much attention. But I can watch, you know, a, a kind of a random baseball game. I, I, I just enjoy baseball. JR is <laughs> locked into Pirates and Reds in May. Can't wait. <laughs> Big game. Yeah, yep, yep. He's going to be the other guy out there with you on a Tuesday afternoon. That's right. The A's and Tigers. It's going to be me and JR in 2030 out at the, the Tropicana site. Um, so Usher was on rollerblades at one point during the halftime show. Mm-hmm. How good of a bartender would you be if you were on rollerblades? If I was on rollerblades, yeah. uh, I would be probably, well, if I didn't have to move, if everything was right there, <laughs> I'd be okay. I could stand in them. But if you ask me to like go back and forth, like I could work what we call, I could work the well, which is basically you put your head down, you pull drinks, <laughs> you pull tickets off the, off the printer and you uh, make drinks. Like I could do that, but if like I had to like service guests back and forth, um, I'd probably be a mess. So I was actually pretty impressed uh, watching that. I, I I think I said I'm like this guy's ballsy. Like one 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 fall or one missed move, and you're you're on the ground, man. And that's all people are talking about for the halftime show. But he did great. So kudos you, to him on that one. You couldn't just rollerblade back and forth down the bar to get people's orders and come back and make it and take it to them. I mean, you could, but it would be very slow, and people complain enough as it is about how fast people make drinks. So got, now I'm going to slow it down even more. Like, you got wheels. You can uh, go fast. You just no, no, glide. No, no. Yeah, but you're, you're, you're concentrating more on balance than you are making drinks, I assure you. All right, JR. I want I want that. I, where's the Sonic of the bartending world? Where's the <laughs> yeah. place that's like, yeah, everybody's on uh, wheels here? This is why it doesn't exist, my friend. Oh, it'd be way better. It'd be way better that way. All imagine, right. um, imagine if Sonic, if you, if the. If the servers weren't on wheels, but the cooks in the kitchen were, then how long would they get your food? I just imagine they are, JR. If you work at Sonic, <laughs> I just imagine you got the rollerblades on. And if you don't, I'm disappointed. All right, what are you making for us in uh, regular shoes today? <laughs> so I am doing kind of a uh, – um, uh, it's a four-ingredient cocktail, and it's a riff off of a, kind of a modern classic cocktail called the Naked and Famous. Uh, the Naked and Famous is a – uh, a twist of a cocktail, I, I, I yet another twist of a cocktail called The Last Word. Uh, this drink was created in 2011 by a bartender out of New York City. Um, and, and the drink for the Naked and Famous is, is, is mezcal, yellow chartreuse, Aperol, and lime juice. So uh, a boozier but sour style cocktail. Now, I am taking that drink and twisting it up a little bit because, A, a lot of people are still kind of figuring out their way with mezcal. So, uh, like, a lot of people are, are turned off by it. And, B, yellow chartreuse is incredibly difficult to find right now. And if you have it, um, I would recommend kind of sparingly use it um, because it's it's not as easy as it once was to find. The popularity of it has, has grown quite a bit. And the chartreusean monks that make it 
have basically said, well, this is how much we make, so you deal with it. And they're not going to make more. They're they're more about praying and and worship than they are about making the <laughs> chartreuse. So um, so yeah. So get your get your chartreuse and hang on to it. I would, but I am doing a drink today that is a riff off of that that I think is a little more approachable um, for for the home bartender with an ingredient Strega liqueur, which is one of the more similar things you can get to yellow chartreuse. Um, it's got some of the similar flavor profiles. It does have that anise black licorice to a degree, not overpowering, but that is, it is there. The drink is very simple to make. It's a shaken cocktail. Um, I'm using an ounce and a half of tequila versus three quarters of an ounce of mezcal. You can certainly use three quarters of an ounce of tequila. Um, I recommend something like a Casamigos Blanco, a very popular brand, easy to find, does have a sweeter flavor profile than some of the other tequilas do. Um, so I'm using an ounce and a half, so this will be a stronger drink. Ounce and a half Casamigos Blanco, followed by three quarters of an ounce of Aperol, which is the Italian bittersweet liqueur, the little brother or little sister, if you will, to Campari. Three quarter ounce of Strega liqueur. We just talked about it. This is the actually accessible um, uh, supplement or you know replacement for chartreuse right now. So three quarter ounce of, of Strega, and then three-quarter ounces of fresh lime juice. You add all those ingredients to a shaker, add ice, shake it vigorously, strain it into a cocktail glass. You can garnish it with a lime or a lime wheel or not at all and just enjoy that cocktail. But be warned, it is, it, it, it is strong and it's got a little bit of sourness to it because there is no additional sugar here. You're using the, the sweetness of the agave, the sweetness of the Aperol, and the sweetness of the Strega to balance out the lime juice. So this does um, maybe balance a little bit on the side of acidic. If you like a sweeter drink, you can add just a little bit of agave nectar to sweeten it up just a touch, um, but I don't think you'll need much. It's a great cocktail, nice and boozy, and it's just a twist on a classic or a modern classic uh, that you can make for yourself at home. Super delicious. Did you have the wife try it? I did. And? And I correctly predicted that she would not like it. Um, <laughs> I even, like, on my little video, I, I took a, vi- a selfie of myself, and I said, I don't think she's going to like this. And then I walked over and I handed it to her, and she's like, uh, "Pass." <laughs> so, yeah, uh, it was it wasn't for her, but I did show, I did, I did let her try it. It just was um, a little too strong for her. She actually is funny too. I told her I was going to make a drink for for you guys and for the show, and she's like, mm, "I want something kind of sweet." And kind of, I was like, "I'm not making this drink for you right now. No, I'm not doing that. I'm making a drink for the show." <laughs> And so I think she had in her head that I was going to do something kind of sweet. And when she tasted it, it wasn't, that's not what it was. And so uh, she quickly passed on, on this particular one. Uh, I uh, enjoy that you can predict whether she will like it or not. Uh, that seems like a good skill in your industry. Uh, <laughs> Jer, we don't have a lot of time left. So I think I'm going to have to ask you more about the monks next week because that's okay. one of the more interesting things I think you've just teased at us and said, yeah, these monks don't want to make any more alcohol. All right. Uh, so J.R. Stark is Southern Glazers Wine, Spirits, and Beer. Here's a tease for a whole week from now. Next Thursday, we're going to find out more about the monks and yellow chartreuse. Thanks, Jr. Thanks, Jr. You bet, guys. Talk to you next week. So there's J.R. Starkis. Uh, it's Jr. Makes Drinks on Instagram, by the way, is where you can see him make all of those drinks. We've got tickets to give away. If you want to go see... Oh, Danny just gave me a face. Do we have tickets to give away? Yes, we okay. do. I just forgot to log in. All right. We're, we're good. If you want to go see Ray Romano, he is here in Las Vegas in April. 
and we've got a pair of tickets for you. 702-364-1100. That is the phone number. Two tickets. It's the Summit Showroom at the Venetian in April. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. If you want to go see Ray Romano, be caller number 14 at 702-364-1100. You're listening to The Press Box on ESPN Las Vegas. Are you running out of here, Ed? Thought you were leaving already. No, no, no. Oh, got a ten twenty. Got okay. a ten twenty. I thought you. Books. I thought you were leaving already. No, got a ten twenty in the book. So Danny, I was ready to yes, start sir. yelling that, at Danny. Uh, button pushed at uh, fifty eight or whenever we're out. I mean, I could turn your mic off now if you want to get there <laughs> no, early. It's yeah. all right. You can go. Um, two NBA things. Tonight's the last night of the NBA before the regular season. We got. I think there's just two games on tonight. One, the Celtics beat the Nets by fifty last night. They have two wins by 50 points this season. They're apparently the third team to ever do that in NBA history. Uh, winning by 50 is a lot. <laughs> yeah, it is. Even in the NBA with the runs that they have, that's a lot. That's a lot of points. Uh, but they beat the Nets by 50. Also, aside from Isaiah Stewart punching Drew Eubanks in the lip area last night, did you see Devin Booker get ejected? No. He got two technical fouls in the first six minutes of the game and got yeah, ejected. That's an early night. The first tech was apparently because he wouldn't stop complaining. Now, again, he got both of these within six, six minutes. Six minutes, so he's complaining a lot right. early. But after the the refs talked to the pool reporter afterwards, and they were like, all right, what was the first technical for? The first technical the ref said was for the refs told him to stop complaining, and he kept going. Like, he just didn't shut up, apparently, and they gave him the first tech. The second tech, um, he sort of gave a thumbs up back to a referee. Oh. And right. got a technical foul. Now, after the game... The ref said that he said something. Basically, they said he said something that crossed the line, but we don't really know what that was. And the video is him just giving a thumbs up across the court, and they hit him with a technical foul. Was it a sarcastic thumbs up? Oh, very much so. Oh, okay. Yes, but you shouldn't be getting a technical foul for a sarcastic thumbs up. No, it has to include him saying something that went over the line. Now, we have seen guys get technical fouls for very stupid things. Yes. Right. The, yes. the most fun one is Tim Duncan laughing yeah. on the bench and right. getting hit with a technical foul. There was one, was that this year where Jason Tatum clapped and they gave him a technical foul? Like wasn't even looking at the ref and just sort of like clapped Clap. his hands together and they hit him with a tech. Four or five years ago, Ben Simmons got one because he sat in a in a chair for the crowd after a whistle. <laughs> Didn't Pat Beverly get one for grabbing the uh, fan's phone to show no, a well, to the No, well, no, no, no. That was an actual photographer's camera. Oh, was it? And he should have gotten a technical foul for that, despite how hilarious it was. But, yes, that was LeBron got slapped on the arm. And it was like a game-tying layup in the final 10 seconds, and they didn't call a foul. And there was still some time left, but it was the other team's ball. And Patrick Beverly went and grabbed the camera yes. from a photographer yes. to show the ref a photo of LeBron getting, getting slapped. slapped One of the funniest things anybody could do. That probably does deserve a technical foul. Yes. But yeah. still if hilarious. others of what you're talking about, yes. Adam. Yeah, still hilarious. But that actually slightly deserving of a technical foul, unlike a sarcastic thumbs up across the court. So. Get the referees under control in the NBA. What are they doing? Give everyone ticks. Or that. No, because then everybody gets ejected eventually. Just, ha- just hand them out like Oprah. Yeah. It'll get everybody in line. 
Yeah. <laughs> or, we'll, we'll, or we'll be down to three-on-three three basketball. We'll be down to Thanasis playing for the Bucks. I mean, he plays anyways, and it's a circus. Have you guys seen the highlights of Thanasis? Thanasis? They're great. He's played in the last two Bucks yeah. games because they've been blowouts. They've been blowouts. He comes in in the final two minutes. Right. He, <laughs> the best part of the last game, um, they somebody one of his teammates got a defensive rebound, and Thanasis for like three or four seconds is like, give me the ball, give me the ball. It's <laughs> like demanding the ball. They eventually give it to him. He got called for an eight-second violation because he didn't get across half court in time. Oh, it's great. And then the game before that, he was trying to drive to the hoop, and he was cutting across going from right side to left side, and he stops in the paint, tries to go up for a layup, loses the ball. It goes off the backboard. He catches it and then turns the ball over. (laughs) It is comedy watching this guy play. For some reason, when Thanasis gets in, he thinks this is my time. Right. He thinks nobody right. else. Right. No, yeah, he, I think that's what it is. Nobody else touches the ball but me. Right. In the it final two minutes of these blowout games, it's great. It's phenomenal entertainment. Can't get enough of it. Nepotism. Um, oh, and you know what? My other favorite thing about the NBA. This happened last night. Chris Wood, former okay. UNLV player, he's on the Lakers. He was in uh, games out of reach. He's got the ball, and they're running the clock out but there's more time on the game clock than the shot shot clock. clock. And so they're just standing there. And one of, I can't remember who, somebody from the Lakers passed the ball to Chris Wood with like three seconds on the shot clock. And he ended up having the ball when the shot clock went off. So here's the funny part about this. Shot clock violations are just team turnovers. They go in the box score as a team turnover. But NBA players, a lot of them think they get a turnover if they have the ball when the shot clock runs out. Chris Wood was visibly upset because he thought he was getting a turnover and was mad. I can't remember who, but was mad and at his teammate who passed him the ball. for passing him the ball. And Anthony Davis on the bench takes a step out onto the court to yell at Chris Wood. It's a team turnover. <laughs> like, calm down. There's four seconds left. We're about to win, and it doesn't even count against you. It's a T. It's great. NBA players who think it's a turnover against them and get mad about oh, it. Oh, the egos. Phenomenal. Because it's not. It's not even a turnover against them. It's a team turnover. Or even the ones who don't want to get the turnover but also don't want to take a terrible shot. So they'll, with like half a second left, pass it to yeah, a teammate. Yeah, that's what happened. I think his teammate was like, I don't want the turnover. You take it, Chris. And then Chris was mad at that guy when it doesn't matter for either one of them.